0: My name is Joshua, and welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund on the Live Mana Network. Thank you so much for being here today. And of course, you can scan it this way. You can scan this barcode, and you can find links to our uh, nonprofit media organization, the Live Mana Worldwide Foundation. I uh, also find all of the links for our network where you can find past episodes uh, and really all of the content that we are involved in creating, whether it's what we create for ourselves or what we help others create. Uh, So I want to say thank you so much for your support, no matter what platform you're watching on, even if you're not watching on our network or listening. uh, Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Today is going to be powerful, and here's why. Because I love gritty, raw, nasty, and ugly testimonies. I love them. You know why I love them? Because we need more of them. And I believe the uglier testimonies that we can get out and get heard by the people Uh, I believe with all my heart, we can start to shift the atmosphere. Um, Listen, I've got one of the uglier testimonies that I've ever heard. I'm not proud of, well, hold on, let me rephrase that. I am very proud of what the Lord Jesus did for me and has done for me and continues to do for me every single day. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. It has been one of the most amazing experiences of my life walking with the Lord. It's also been the most difficult and most challenging, but also the most rewarding. In fact, there is no life for me without Jesus. That said, um, I know for a fact, and I've always known, that my testimony is evil and dark as it is, and somewhat gross as it can be, as depicted in our book, The Devil Inside Me. I know that there's worse testimonies or crazier testimonies or scarier testimonies. And I also know that not all testimonies resonate with some people. Like my testimony scares people. I'm pretty sure that VB, his testimony, is going to scare some people too. But it shouldn't scare you because all of the people that have been through every type of trauma that you can imagine have done all of the evils. When God gets a hold of you for all of the evil that's done, In that old life, when you give your life to the Lord, God gets to do so much more. Like, for every bit as horrible as your life was before Jesus, what Jesus gets to do with your life is ten times more extraordinary. It's mind-blowing. Like, it it is one of the coolest things I could ever explain to you. And here's the funny thing. You can only know by doing it yourself. Because me talking about how awesome Jesus is, I'm going to sound like every ever Bible thumper that's ever hurt you. And I'm not, I can't do that. I can't force you to love Jesus. I can't force you to surrender all of your fears and worries and addictions and afflictions and everything else. I can't force you to give your life to Jesus. But what I can do is share my testimony and bring other people on this platform. And we, you know, listen, we interview all kinds of people here. And from all walks of life. And, and there's even a lot of non believers that we talk to. But that said, when we have another believer and we have somebody that's going to share their heart, I get really, really excited because I believe with all my heart that is one more person that God is using to open up the heavens for others. And your testimony matters. I don't care how crazy it is, I don't care how wimpy it can sound or your belief of me, like who wants to hear that? I'm going to tell you this right now and then we're going to get into the commercial and uh, intro video and then bring VB on. But I, I want to say this. There's people literally dying right now waiting to hear your testimony. Your testimony has the ability to save lives. How do I know? Because other people's testimonies save mine. And mind you, it may didn't happen right away. You know, when I just go, okay, the first time I heard a powerful testimony, gave my life to Jesus and everything was fine. No, it doesn't work that way. But a seed was planted and a seed was planted and a seed was planted. And and I got to tell you, in my experience following Jesus, it has been the most life-giving, uh, most amazing, extraordinary experience of my life. So I hope today, whether what, regardless of what your beliefs are, and we have people from all belief systems here, and thank you for that. Thank you for listening to us talk about Jesus. That said, I just want to let you know that God has a huge plan for your life. God can use everything that was meant to kill you for your good and also God's glory. And it's kind of an amazing experience. And I hope today moves you and inspires you to at least say, hello, God. I have ran away from you for a long time, but I'm here and I'm ready to listen. I hope that happens for you today, because God's plan for you is incredible. We'll be right back after this.
1: Things, the diamond rings, designer jeans, all minor things in the wider scheme. But at what cost to realize your dreams? Been bleeding in the wheel more, put the crown of thorns on spill more. My might bloody cause I kill more, but I'm still poor. The bottom is where I started, but I get to the top and park it. Bug up in a harlot, my battery need charging. And to reach my target is the illest in the market. Is some liquid from my arteries. I'm Joshua, and welcome to the Conversation
0: with Joshua T. Berglund. Today, I pray that VB's story and VB's message hits you right in the heart. Even if it scares you, even if it makes you sad, depressed, whatever it may be, I hope it hits you right in the heart. Because it's not just about VB, it's how God's using VB, but more than that, too, Is you got to know that there's other people like VB, there's other people like myself out there. And there there are people out there that you want to give up on that are actually God's warriors. There's people that are being rejected and shunned that are trying to crawl to the footsteps of the church. And they need a place. They need a place to feel safe, they need a place to feel loved. They've been abused. They've been ridiculed, they've been mocked, they've been shunned. And mind you, some of it's because of their own choices. I understand that. But the people that go through the biggest struggles and then go through the most diversity, or not diversity, um, adversity, are God's chosen, I believe. Everything that they've gone through is to prepare them for what's coming. And when you hear VB's story, again, I pray that it inspires you to not only share your own testimony, but if you're one of the people that are like him, or like he was, like I was, and you're just sick and tired of living the life that you're living, just know that there's a solution for you. And I hope today inspires you. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a pleasure for me to welcome my new friend, I'm going to say Euphrasio. VB, Euphrasio. Did I say it right, VB? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Praise God. You got a good day, Tom, man. You got a good day, (laughs) Tom.
0: Well, welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund, VB. And first things first, what are you grateful for today and
1: why? Man, I'm grateful just to be able to breathe, man. Uh, And the reason why is because there's been many times in my life that I should not even be here. Uh, And I say that uh, with with humility and confidence. Um, I shouldn't even be here right now. And so I'm grateful for just the breath that I get to breathe, to be honest. Yeah. Amen. You you
0: lived a life. um, And I, look, I got into some really dark and evil and scary things, got involved with a lot of the wrong people. Uh, You know, you know about that life, too. And I don't even really know where to start except for. Maybe let's talk about your childhood. Like, tell me about where you grew up and what your home life was like uh, when you were young.
1: Okay. Um, well, just just, uh, just, FYI, what I'm about to tell you is um, is, is a story of encouragement uh, to give whoever's listening hope. Uh, because of where I was at as, as a child, you don't have to take that into your adulthood and the rest of your life. So, so I'll give you the basic summary. Uh, I grew up in, in, a, in a home with, with a single mother and a brother. Uh, I grew up in a home where my dad wasn't around. Uh, I grew up in a home where my mother worked, her, worked hard every day to take care of me and my older brother. Uh, I grew up in a home where my brother was seven years older than me. So there was a gap to where I was about eight or nine years old. And he was already in his teens, so he was already hitting the streets. Yeah. So I grew up, I grew up in a home, ninety percent of the time, by myself. My mother was working hard hours. My brother was in the streets. So I grew up in a home where I was isolated within myself in the four walls. Um, I had a big family. Now the family that I that I that I have it was a big family, but with my immediate family, it was just me and my mom. And, and there was nights where I would be up all night until three, four o'clock in the morning by myself. Uh, there would be nights where, where the lights would go out and uh, the bills weren't paid, and I would be in a, in a dark house by myself. Uh, there would be nights where uh, a lot of times I would be getting babysit um, by my cousins, and things took happen. Things happened at those moments, at all those times. Uh, but I never grew up with a dad. Uh, My dad left about five years old. Uh, He was out of my life because he gave my mom an ultimatum. He told my mom, you can, you can, me and my mom and him can leave my brother because that wasn't his dad and take off or he can leave. And my mom chose my brother. So my dad left. Uh, My dad was, was really in, in a dark area in his life. He was part of some Some organizations, you know, my dad is Hispanic and my mom is white. So, you know, you could kind of put in the puzzle pieces that he ran with certain groups. And um, so my dad was never around, but my household was very lonely. Uh, But my mother loved the best that she knew how. Uh, And and my mother, where she was then, she's not there today. And I'll tell you later on in my story what happened then. But uh, basically, with a summary of my house, the household that I lived in, was that uh, I was bullied as a young age. Bullied, ridiculed, mocked, uh, picked on. uh, But I did play a lot of sports. Uh, I played baseball for many years. Um, A lot of things happened. So that's just a basic summary of how how the household was. 90% of the time, I was by myself at night.
0: Yeah. Now, I know that you got involved and you started running around with gangs. Was it your brother that introduced you to that life? I mean, I know he was in the streets. Or was it someone else that took you under under their wing and brought you in?
1: Well, yeah. So being my my brother, being in my life, he was my father figure. You know what I mean? Because my dad was never around. So I looked up to him. So yeah, he was the one that introduced me. Uh, not saying he did it intentionally, but, but seeing him in that lifestyle, I was intrigued by it because I want to do what big brother does for sure. So my brother grew up in the gangs. He was, he was part of the 5 Nine non-power rule bounty hunters, the bloods. And he grew up in that lifestyle. So seeing it at a young age, it intrigued me because I seen the, the connection with friends. Uh, I seen the lifestyle of excitement and, uh, and things like that. And, uh, yeah, man, about the age of 12, 13 years old is when I really, really got into it real tough.
0: Well, I would imagine if you're spending a lot of time alone, that the the brotherhood of a gang is very attractive. I mean, yeah. I I grew up playing sports like you, and all that was great. But I got to admit, like I was friends with a couple of the you know gangbangers, and even when I got older, I became friends with some guys that were mobbed up and involved in some other things. And of course, I got involved in some other things. Um, the the point is though that brotherhood, the camaraderie. But also, it felt safe. And as, that may sound insane to the audience, like going getting involved with a gang sounds safe. But when you're scared or you're fear or you're alone, that's scary. And then when you have a brotherhood around you, you feel safe, regardless of what they're doing. I found a brotherhood with the people I did drugs and when I was acting out in my chemsex addiction. I found a brotherhood there. I found a brotherhood with the people that I ran little scams with and other things. So I get it. And there's that thing they call a covenant that I know the church talks about covenant a lot, or maybe they don't talk about it enough, but there's never been a better expression of covenant that I've ever seen in my life than amongst or within gangs, whether it's a drug dealing gang or whatever it may be They honor covenant better than anyone I've ever seen did you get that drilled into your head when you were coming up in the game?
1: Well, see, I, I want to touch on something real quick um, okay. uh, with that. See, whenever I was in baseball and I was hanging around with kids, it was like I didn't fit in. You know, yeah. even though I played sports with them and and, and I was good at playing sports, uh, for some reason because of me being poor in poverty and them being at a level with, 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 with money and, or them having a dad I really didn't fit in well. So I didn't really embrace the love and the brotherhood as whenever I got into the games. And yeah. see and, 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 and when I did when I got into the when I got into the games, they drilled loyalty, respect. Respect was a big key. Respect was a big, big like, like, like you're gonna give me my respect. One way <laughs> or the other. You're gonna give me my respect. You know, and, and, and there and there's there's levels of that. And, and, and I was the type where my level, it was at a high level where you're going to give me my respect. If if I can't, if I can't get you with these, I'm going to get you with this. You know, if, if if I can't beat you with my hands, I'm going to twist you with my words. And a lot of times, because I, I wasn't really too much of a fighter. I can admit that I really wasn't too much of a fighter. I'll get out there and fight. But my words, I can, I, I was sad to say, manipulation and twisting and bending I would build someone up and break them down in a heartbeat. You know what I mean. And and it was drilled in loyalty, respect, loyalty, respect, loyalty, respect, and and, and a lot of honor with it too. And, and and what what was what was what was what was what was intriguing to me about it was 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 the the accepting, the, them accepting me, bringing me in, uh, 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 allowing me to be me. But 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 I guess you could say a counterfeit love.
0: Yeah, that gosh, that brings up something I'm going to ask later, because I <laughs> the, the acceptance part is is a big is, was, is a big one for me. So I, I understand that. But I want to talk about that later. Um, and, you know, you have the people that are joining gangs are broken souls for the most part because of, of a missing parent or even abusive, even if their parents are there, if they're being neglected or being abused, they might as well not even be there because of the damage that's being done. Like you're almost better off being gone. So there's a lot of that of people getting gangs and that, that fall into gangs. So I understand. And I, and I was weird. And so even though I was a good athlete, I also understand what you're saying of not really feeling like I belonged. And, <laughs> and I should have, and I think there's reasons for why I, I felt that way and all of that. But the fact is, I didn't. I felt like an outlier. I felt alone. I felt too weird to be around them. I understand that. And in the end, all I really wanted was to be loved and accepted. And I found it in the drug, you know, in all the places that I was doing drugs. So yeah. the one thing that I'm, I, I think about when I think of criminal activity is that, you know, other than the fact that it's organized, you don't want to get caught. Um, and I do know that and even people that the, the dealers that I've been around in my life, you know, they're not really ones to get high on their own supply. So I'm thinking if I'm running a criminal enterprise and I'm running gangs and or I'm involved in a gang and I'm committing crimes and doing other things like that, I want to be sober minded because if I'm messed up, I'm going to get caught. Did drugs and gang banging go hand in hand or was that something that you got involved in later?
1: Now, now smoking weed and maybe maybe popping a couple of pills here and there or whatever. Uh you know, kind of a couple of Xanax here and there, what was was the norm. Uh doing doing the cocaine and doing the other things, not not really. Uh because my 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 acta- activity in games was breaking into a lot of cars. My activity in ga- games was doing a lot of thieving and stuff like that. So on my downtime, I would I would smoke a lot of weed and i and I would take a lot of Xanax. But whenever I had to take care of what I needed to take care of, then at mm-hmm. times I would have to be at the level of a sober mind. I would have to yeah, be at yeah. the level. Now, now, now th- it did get to the point where where drugs took over. Because yeah. Dr- uh, because I have this thing that, that a lot of people might have, it, it's called a, 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 an addictive personality. <laughs> you yeah. know, if, yeah. if, 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 I, if I take something and I like it, then I become custom into it by being addicted to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so once I started getting at a, at the higher level of drugs, when I started smoking PCP or, or whenever I started uh, doing cocaine or, or doing ecstasy, the gang life kind of faded away a little bit. Now I was still in it, but not as I was at my younger at my younger days. So yeah, it, it really didn't go hand in hand because I became a loose cannon. Sure, I became I be, when I got on drugs, man. Let me tell you something, brother. When I got on drugs, I became a loose cannon. I, you, you couldn't tell me nothing. You couldn't control me. I got a lot, a lot of altercations, a lot of disciplines behind it because I was a loose cannon. Mm.
0: That's, I, and I can relate to that, too. I mean, I was in a professional setting, but my drug use took over. My desire to wanting to do my job in excellence and make money, I didn't even really. I got to the point where I didn't care about the money so much. I just wanted to be able to get more drugs so I could go do my thing. Like, nothing else mattered. Like, that is how much drugs took over. And I used to say that I was a functional meth addict, but that's really not true. (laughs) It's not, I I sometimes like to, it's amazing how with walking with the Lord for as long as I have, like, I, I, I think back to my years living in Florida, and I always look at Florida as the best years of my life, because everything was so glamorized to me then. Uh, but the reality was, that's when the wheels started to come off. And that was my early, it was 19, 20 years old. That's when my addiction started to become this beast that was out of control. And, you know, and I did really well hiding it. But eventually, that became all I cared about. And I don't even know if it was so much even about the high at that point. I was just trying to quieten that demon inside of me that was like, give me more, give me more. And it could never ever be quenched the thirst that the, this bloodlust this demon had for all of the excess that i could do let me ask you this going through all the things that you've gone through how much did the mental health aspect along with drugs come into your overall destruction
1: which led to you being reborn man let me tell you something man i, I was so broke i got raped and molested as a young kid OK, and let me let me tell you, I, I want to share this to where my mental stage was at. OK. I was raped and molested. Sometimes in one night I would get raped and molested by two different guy cousins in the same night. My dad left at five years old. I will go. I will go to my grandma's house and get raped by one cousin. Come home. My mom would hit the bar because my grandma was going to sleep. Another cousin would come over and I'll get raped again. My dad left at five years old. My brother was never around. I was in and out of gangs. I was in and out of jail. I, my second home was juvenile detention centers. Uh, I was getting bullied. Uh, I was getting bullied by kids, spit on, beat up, uh, stolen from. But I didn't care as long as they were my friends. As lo- and, and it was because I was so hurt, right? Misery loves company. I was yeah. so miserable of where I was at. You can do me any kind of way as long as you stayed my friend. That's the mentality that I had. I didn't care how you treated me. So my mental stage, when I added drugs to that, I went from from living in a home to living on the streets. I became homeless. I be digging out of dumpsters, bouncing from place to place, burning every bridge, every bridge. I, I was a I was a destructive force that went through town. Uh especially when I, when I tried, when I tried meth and the first time I ever put it in my arm, when I put a needle into my arm, when I, whenever that took place, bro, let me tell you something. It it, it was destruction because of, I was hurt. I was hurt. I was in pain. I had a lot of trauma and my, this was one of the sayings that I had. You have never been in my shoes. So don't talk about my life. You have never been where I've been. So you don't have nothing to say about what I'm doing or why I'm doing what I'm doing. okay? you ain't never felt my pain. So based on the pain that I had in my life, I wanted to show people my pain. I want you to feel my pain. So I would go around houses and I would literally demolish the setting of a house. I would walk into a home and literally change the whole atmosphere. The demonics that was in me. It reminds me of a story in the Bible where the man of legion was in the cave, and even chains couldn't keep him down. Every time they popped chains on him, he broke free from them. And Jesus came and asked him, and he and he told him, he said, "Who are you?" He said, "I am legion," right? And he and he casted them into the uh, into the pigs, and they fell out. You know, that's where I was at. I was so, so destructive that I would go into homes, and the whole atmosphere would shift. People would get quiet. People would leave the house. All kinds of things. Because I, I, I carried an aroma of hatred, envy, evil, destruct, jealousy, vindictive manipulation, all that. It, it was just, it, it, it was especially, especially being on meth and shooting up meth, and getting out there, and I and I, and I share these I share these detailed stories with, with, with whoever's watching, because if you're in this area in your life. You have to understand, and I would encourage you, like brother said earlier, I can't force you, I can't make you, but I can encourage you by my testimony that there is a way out. There is a way out, and his name is Jesus. He is the only way that he can give you fulfillment of eternal life. He's the only way. And, and I'm I'm, uh, I'm carrying on to my to my clothes, so I'm, I'm going to bounce back. But, but to answer <laughs> your question, the, the, To answer your question is that I was destructive. I put my hands on my mom. I put my hands on on women. I used to beat women. And, And I don't say that to brag. I'm not here to boast. I need to let you know my story so you can know that if you're in this area, there's freedom. There's freedom. It was to the point, bro, when I was on drugs that I thought women didn't want me. So I tried with men. I got so corrupted in my head when I was in Indiana up north. I tried to have relationships with men because I believe the lie of Satan that women didn't want me, that I wasn't loved that. Okay. If they didn't love me, then let me go try with someone else. You understand what I'm saying? And the reason why I can fully talk about this because I'm, I've been fully redeemed and delivered from all this because you never know what someone might can, can gain or or hear from your story. You see what I'm saying? So know this, that, 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 that you are loved and that you have a purpose and you are chosen before the foundation of the earth. You already loved. You already love, you know, they have a song out there that says you look for wrong. You look for love for all in the wrong places. That was me. Yeah, that was me, everything. So my mind, to answer your question, brother, was, it was, it was far out there, far out there. And I was taking everybody with me, whoever I could, whatever I can do, I would hurt anybody around me. My motive was to, to have people feel my pain.
0: I cannot even begin to tell you how much I relate to all this. I, I was a 20 year chem sex addict. And for me, it was the first time trying drugs that the nightmares of what happened. And mind you, I think that there, there was a part of me that may have wanted it to happen. And that's a whole other conversation. Right. But when I was molested the first time, it was by people I trusted. It wasn't a family member, but it was it was two people I trusted. And then, of course, the female babysitter and and then the other men that mol- had molested me. I had nightmares about it. And I think the nightmares came because they said bad things were going to happen to me if I said something. And that was mm-hmm. a little confusing. Then I go to my guidance counselor because I'm acting out and they like we need to talk. And I tell her what happened. And she said, oh, that's normal for little boys to do that. Which Mm. now, looking back at it and looking at where we are now with things, I'm like, well, of course, the guidance counselor said that. Like, it makes Mm. me think that we're some part of an agenda, but whatever that messed with me bad and it made Mm. me self hate, made me feel more unloved and more disconnected from people and more weird. And every time I heard the word faggot, you know, because back then you people said that word and it wasn't offensive, or it wasn't supposed to be, but the, I'm hearing it going, man, that feels ugly. I don't know what does that mean. Why am I being called a faggot? And like, I didn't know any of this stuff. I didn't understand any of it. The very first time I tried ecstasy, which then followed by ketamine and meth and cocaine and everything else, all in the same night, I it made the nightmares turn to fantasies, and mm-hmm. I immediately became a chemsex addict. So everything you're saying, I I, I understand. And it, the nightmare turning to fantasies were now all of a sudden I want to go recreate my rape scenario. And I did it mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again. I didn't get HIV from eating Fruit Loops. That's for sure. It was because mm-hmm. of my behavior. So I understand everything, what you're saying, but I want to ask you this. Once you've gone there and you've opened that door and you, your brain and, and, uh, your brain associates pleasure with drugs and sex. And it's like that combination, that is a mother, of, that's a beast and a demon in itself to get rid of. Can you talk about your healing process from that part alone? Because here's why I'm asking the question. There's a lot of preachers. There's a lot of worship ministers. There's a lot of people inside the church building that are, is suffering in silence because they haven't healed. I know because I used to see preachers in the bathhouse. I know because of my behavior that people are suffering in silence. And I also know the messages I get. There are people that are leading people to Jesus right now that are sneaking off from their wife and going and having sex with men off of apps or in bathroom stalls or whatever else because, and they're suffering and they don't know how to stop it. They don't know how to let it go. They know it's not right, but like an addiction they got to keep feeding this beast can you talk about how you healed and you were deliver you were delivered from this
1: yeah yeah um, and, that's, and that and that's a good question um, the it's possible uh, let me let me let me let me share that it, it, it's possible the only way the only way that it's possible is allowing the lord in those areas that is that is the only way that it's possible you see, transparency is not really uh, being expressed in in the church. Yeah, and uh, right. transparency. You know, you, you'll have you'll have, and I'll say this, and and I'll get to you. You'll have people that will preach, but only preach from a persona as everything is good,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: everything is good, right? Preaching from a perfected. Right. So. So if they're preaching that way, that makes me think they talk to God that way. Right. Meaning wow. that they, they don't allow the Lord in in those areas. Yeah, yeah. They don't allow the Lord in in those areas. So. So my process was. In 2017, I'll, I'll give you a story. I was at Freedom House in Freeport, Texas, in in, uh, in, in Texas. It's a discipleship place. Uh and I'm, just, I'm not saying that for any reason, just to share the name. But I, I got on my knees. I kept hearing people talk about the altar. Go to the altar. You know, come to the altar. Your arm, You know, that song, you know, I kept hearing, I kept hearing. And I'm sitting there and mind you this, I never grew up in church, ever. I've been to church maybe two or three times. I went to the altar and I confessed everything that I've ever done. Hallelujah. Confessed everything. Father, I'm sorry that I, I I beat on women. Sorry that I that I that I, I carried on me being raped and me turning around and, and doing things to others because you know they said once one you tried others, and I and I tried around things with my nieces and nephews. So I, I confessed everything to the Lord, everything, Father. And, and, and when I confessed everything to him, it gave him access to come in. Oh, that's and and the only way, the only way the healing can take place. And that demon can get shut down is that if you allow the Lord by confessing, the Bible says in first, first John one, nine, if you confess, come on, man, if you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive you. And forgiveness takes a process of healing. See, a lot of times what happens is that they're embarrassed to confess. Now, come on now, check this. James five sixteen says this: If you confess your sins to one another, you will be healed. For a prayer of a righteous one, yes. come on, man. So this that there's that, two two scriptures that these preachers know, but but they're believing the lie that they're too embarrassed, or people mm. are going to judge, or people are ain't going to understand. And things like that. So we sometimes people will want to confess to the Father, but never to one another. And that's why transparency is not playing a part. See, I can talk to you about the things that I deal with and where I've come from. Mm -hmm. Because right now, I'm going through, in this moment right now, whoever's watching, the reason why I'm speaking fully is because I'm still going through the process of healing. Yeah. So as I continue to talk about these things, it's not hidden in the dark. So so if, if, if these pastors will do James 5, 16 and confess to a brother, confess. There's forgiveness, but there needs to be confession to one another to be healing. And that's what I, I had to understand. I had to understand that I had to confess. That's why transparency is key. Brother, transparency is key with me. When I'm behind the pulpit or I'm talking on, 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 on I don't know who's going to watch this, but it's not about me. It's about letting people know that there's hope yeah. through, through Jesus Christ. So if you're a pastor and I'm speaking to the pastors and I'm speaking to the ones behind the pulpit, pray to the Father and ask the Father to reveal someone that you can confine in and go to them. Come on, man. You know I'm talking to you right now. Go to them and say, this is what I'm doing. I need help. Yes. Walk me through this. And at that moment, supernaturally, something's going to lift. Yep. See, when the door is closed, there's a weight to it. But when it's open, air gets to it, gets through the house. (laughs) So if you have that door shut, there's no access. Come on, man. But if you have that door open, there's access. And the father says, I am knocking at the heart of your door, the door of your heart. I'm knocking. Let me in. So we, whenever he's knocking, because you know, he's tugging at you. You know, he wants you to confess. You know, he wants you free from that. You know that he wants you to go talk to that brother or your, pa- or your, or your assistant pastor or your friend that, that pastors at another church. You know, he does. But the enemy wants to lie to you. So the process of the healing, it, it comes with, first of all, confessing. You have to let someone know what you're dealing with. You have to let someone know because you never know. You don't ever know that you could tell them something about your deepest secret. Then they turn around and tell you something about their deepest secret. Yeah, And not only one, but two people done got healing or the process of healing. And know this, healing is a process. It takes time allowing the Lord to work in you in that note, allowing the war- Lord to work in you on the note. So I had to just learn, man. I had to be real transparent in who I talk to. And if, if people judge me, my father would judge them. If they run their mouth and let them do what they do, you know, I, okay, that's fine. But I'm still going to be open and honest and transparent about my who I am, where I'm at, because you never know, man. You just never know who's listening. And confessing is a big key and part of your healing. I Love this so
0: much. I, I'm going to give you a really quick story. So before, when I gave my life to the Lord, I, I mean, I, I confessed everything to the Lord of course, because I knew he knew anyway. And mind you, I was in jail and I thought I was going to be there for five years. But I was all getting ready to do a bi- create a Bible study in the prison and do all this stuff. And, and anyway, I ended up getting out of jail. Um, and, and, I, and that was a lot scarier. All the promises I made to God after giving my life to him. That was a lot scarier when I was on the streets of downtown LA going, oh crap, This now what? Now what do I do? But the thing is, is that I was still very scared about talking about being an abuser because I'd been in jail six times and I was afraid to talk about two of the times and why. And so while I was getting all of this applause and cheer for for uh, being so vulnerable uh, in all in my show that I was doing and the fact is that I was not telling the truth because 98% of the truth is not the truth. Mm. Yeah, it's great. I gave my testimony, but I'm leaving out that, Oh, by the way, I'm an abuser and Oh, I have HIV. If I'm leaving that out, that is part of my testimony. That makes me whole that God can't use because I'm keeping it a secret. So here we go. And I'm still struggling with my sexuality still. Struggling with drug cravings, still struggling with all that stuff. My first few years walking with the Lord because I still didn't believe that God loved me completely. I thought I wasn't mm. perfect enough, and I was still mentally weird and all this other stuff. So God couldn't possibly love me. He, you know, He hated those parts of me. That's what I always told myself. Anyway, long story short, I go, you know, I, you know, how with the, the spiritual high wears off after giving your life to the Lord, and it's like, oh. Crap, now reality's hitting me. Now bad stuff is happening. How am I going to handle it? Well, I end up letting life come at me pretty hard. Um, I was still in a very toxic relationship because we stayed together through jail and everything else. And even when I'm walking with the Lord, I, like I'm in this toxic relationship. Well, anyway, I get kicked out of a leadership class. Um, I did this emotional intelligence leadership course. I was there for three months. Get kicked out. And, and it's because I get in a fight with my girlfriend in front of everybody the very last weekend of this course. I was the leader of the group, and I didn't get to graduate with everybody, and I was so angry. I was angry at God because I didn't have – I was angry at God because I didn't have the courage to leave her. Because I'm like, well, how am I going to – you know, we're, we're dependent on each other financially. We're dependent on each other for all of these things. How am I gonna? How am I gonna leave her? So I was mad at God, mad at her, mad at myself, mad at everybody. So I relapse on meth, and I go on a month-long bender. And without getting into all the gory details, it's in it's in our book. But it's it, all this bad stuff is happening. Well, finally, towards the end of this month-long meth relapse, I'm on day four. I just got in drinking my own urine because I, I can't find drugs. I'm on an I'm set on a sex app looking for more meth looking for, for uh, you know, sex and all this other stuff, just completely out of my mind, up four days straight. And all of a sudden, I don't have my phone on me. So here's my phone. I'm looking at my phone, looking to score. And all of a sudden, God drops down, like right here. And I can see him out of the corner of my eye, and I'm terrified to look at him And all, I mean, without going into everything he said, he said, I'm not done with you yet. Mm-hmm. This is going to suck but I'm not done with you yet. And he said, you're going to put a spotlight on your shadow world. You don't get the luxury of keeping secrets. You're going to confess everything. If you relapse, you're going to go talk about it on your show. If you lust or you do any of these other things, you cheat with men, you're going to talk, you do drugs, you're going to talk about it. (laughs) And I'm like, well, maybe I'm tripping, but I was scared as soon as I heard it. He gave me the name of the show. Coincidentally, It was the one that you're supposed to do gratitude unfiltered. That's when I was the host of it. He goes, you're not going to do morning gratitude anymore. You're doing gratitude unfiltered. And you're just going to tell the truth about all your stuff. And you're going to document the journey this way. Scariest thing of my life. Well, if it wasn't after I fall asleep, I kid you not. Five days in a row, because I'm sure that I would have talked myself out of that being God, because, you know, being that on meth four days straight, and you know, I I could be hallucinating. But five days in a row, God sent me a different person to send me the same message. Ah. And if if he would not have done that through this has been three years now, I think if he would not have done that. None of the miracles that God has done in my life, like rehabilitating my life, everything I've lost, God has put back in my life. Like there is no redemption without that moment. And, and so everything that you're saying about the truth and confessing, look, I go overboard, but I don't feel like I have a choice because I have a command from mm-hmm. God. This is how I'm supposed to be. I don't tell everybody, hey, go tell everybody you're cheating on your wife. Don't go on a podcast and tell everybody that. I'm not saying that that's what you should do. But I will tell you, if you're somebody that has big aspirations and you want to go to the mountaintop, you want to be in entertainment, you want to have a successful ministry, you want to have anything that where your face is going to be seen places. If you don't build your, your platform, your foundation on truth, It is going to be a very painful crumbling. And that's why your message to preachers, VB, and and, and people in the church is so important. Because all that's hidden will be revealed. And you sure as heck don't want someone else revealing your stuff for you. It is much more effective and much more powerful. And it also shows God that you trust him when you're willing to publicly confess. And you remove everyone's bullets, too. What can they take? What can they shoot you with if you if you confess yourself? So, what you're doing, my my point is, VB, is this what you're doing aligns so much with what God has instructed me to do. I think it's so powerful and so needed. And I'm so glad that you're sharing all this stuff because you know what? Not everybody's gonna hear it from me, but other people are gonna hear it for you, from you, how important it is to share those painful secrets and these stories that we tell ourselves about, well, they're going to, they're going to judge us. They're going to mock us. My wife is going to leave me. I'll never see my kids again. You know what? Yeah. There's consequences for our actions. Absolutely. But you know what? You also don't really know how God is going to do it and how God could step in and heal. Maybe that relationship isn't the right one for you. Maybe God's got someone for you. That's different. You don't know. But one other thing, and I'm going to be quiet and let you talk. I'm sorry about this.
1: But the people
0: around you, if you're living a lie and you're keeping secrets, I promise you those people in your life aren't your people because they don't know who you are. And you want to talk about lonely? You can have 100 people around you, but if they don't know you, how good does it really feel? Truth matters. Truth will attract your tribe. And I promise you one thing I've learned better than anything else is God will not bless lies, but he will bless your truth. Amen. Uh, sorry Amen. About I, <laughs> you really You really teed me off because you're speaking a language that I understand and yeah. it's so needed. Let me ask you this. In the church community, though, because you're getting to speak at churches. How how is that received in the church when you share
1: your truth? Uh, man, th- there's a there's a uh there's a variety of receiving, man. Um I've had people leave me alone behind it. Uh I've had people embrace me. Uh I've seen people be set free and be more vulnerable in sharing. Uh, I've seen people judge me. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's both ways. I, I've seen it. Uh, I was talking to someone one time and they told me, I'll give you an example. I, I was talking to this girl one time and she told me her her family was believers. And I walked in there and shared my testimony. And I get a phone call later on saying that I need to leave her alone because there's no way that God would have brought me from there. And they were believers. Well, from what she said that they were believers, um, I've had it where I get around people and I share my testimony, and they just quit talking to me. Uh, but then I've had crowds too where they they embrace me. Uh, they love the authentic. They love the the uh, the realness behind it. The the, the open up and transparency, and, and it encourages them to be the same way. Yeah, because this is no judgment zone. This is no judgment zone. We're not, I'm not here to bash you or, or here to, uh, to throw stones or how can I worry about a speck in your eye when I got a log in my own? You know what I mean? So, okay. Okay. you know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and, and but, but I've, I've learned this is that we're in this walk together. As the body of Christ, we're in this together. And when we're in this together, we have to lean on one another. You know what I mean? There's, let me, let me, let me share something, man. There's a, uh, everybody, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have seen the movie Forrest Gump. And in the movie Forrest Gump, there's a scene that that, that speaks volumes to me that the body of Christ, uh, Bubba and Forrest was at war. And, and Bubba told Forrest, Forrest, let's lean on each other so we don't have to sleep in the grass. They're in the same war at the same time, but they needed each other to lean so they wouldn't have to sleep in the grass, in the mud. And I and I believe that we're in the same war. This is a spiritual warfare that we're dealing with here. All right. There's a spiritual. There's there's demonic and there's angelic. There's angels. There's demons going all over the place. And if we don't learn to lean on each other, and 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 and, and be able to support one another, and honor one another, and love one another, and and submit to one another, we'll sit there and and be on be on the grass and and being prideful and, and leaning on the grass and stuff like that. So. I mean, I've seen people embrace it so many different ways, and and it's okay. Let me, let me share something. It's okay because that's just where they're at. Yeah. You know, if, if that's where they're at, then that's where they're at. And, and then later on, the Lord will, will will reveal it to them, and and maybe uh, chastise them in that area. And uh, because you'll never know how many people out there need to hear what 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 needs to come out of that person's mouth. And uh, and if they judge me, the Father will judge them. They'll be equally judged as much as it That's like if I go judge, judge you or judge someone, I'm going to be equally judged. And that judgment, don't it don't feel right. You know, it just don't feel too right. You know? And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've had all kinds of. Um, and I want to share something real quick before I before I forget about it. Uh, I love movies, so I, I would I would compare a lot of my things to movies. Uh, in Spider-Man three. We know we know Peter Parker. Uh, Venom got on top of him. And when Venom got on top of him, it took over his whole body and it became someone that he didn't want to. That's what sin and unforgiveness does. Wow. It hits you. It takes over your body and you become something that you don't want. Right. You become some. And during the day, he's this way. But at night and eventually he starts changing around people. His, his, his girlfriend, his people started noticing that he was a little bit different. And see, and that's the thing when it comes to sin or when it comes to things holding in. We well, little by little. People people can tell. Some people can. They'll tell like, man, something, something, something ain't right. Something, and you know, BB's acting different. What's going on with him? You know, and they'll even maybe ask you, you know, but it takes the freedom behind it. But yeah, I mean, I've had people to, to answer your question, uh back to your question, I've had people embrace it all different. I've embraced I've received people in different ways. You know, uh, uh, I'll be real transparent on that. I've had people tell me stories. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you know, you know what I mean. Like, you know, and not even receive. But what I've learned is that if I don't receive it, then I, I, I put God in a box. Oh, that's good. I put God in a box. And if, I, if 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 someone comes in here and says, "Hey, man, I just had an encounter with the Lord. I went to the heavens. I did all this and, I, and I'm looking. at am like, man, you must be on some acid or something." <laughs> I just, put, I just, you know what I'm saying. I just, I just put God in a box because God can do anything. He's omnipresent, omnipresent, omnipresent omnipotent. He's in all things, of all things. He's the same as yesterday, today, forevermore. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning. Of, he's outside of time. He can do whatever he wants to do. You know, he he ascended Enoch and Elijah, and you know, he did all kinds of things. And, and, and so, who am I to say what God can and cannot do? Yeah, you know. Sure so, is. so yeah, man, I, it's. Uh, and, yeah, that's that's just where it's at, man, is that you don't, you don't want to ever put God in a box, man. You know, oh, yeah. he says he – go, go ahead, go ahead. ahead. No, go no ahead. you go, go ahead. All
0: right. I want to ask you, though, because I kind of jumped – I just went where I was led. Come on. Um, but I want to go back to what was the breaking point for you? Like, mm. for me, it was being put in isolation and there was no running and no getting out of jail and nowhere to run. So God proved that you can't outrun God because he's going to get you one way or the other. He got me. He tracked me down. How did God get you?
1: All right, man. For anyone that's watching right now, if you're at this point of the video, I I would encourage you to place close attention. The Bible says if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. I didn't know this at the time. I was about almost nine years on the streets homeless. And I, I was talking about God a lot. I didn't know about Jesus and I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. And I sure did not know about speaking in tongues. I didn't know none about all that. I just knew of a God. And I had this a, this this idea that 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 I can do do something better, have a different life. And I started talking about God. I would go into the dope house. And shoot up dope, and and tell everybody what are we doing? Let's go to rehab. God loves us. Let's pray. Let's do something. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> I just know it was it was. And people were like, man, you're tripping. You're messing up my high. Some people were like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But August seventeenth of two thousand seventeen, I was in front of a dope house, and and I talked about God so much that He manifested Himself. In my in, in my existence of, of around me and he he chose me in front of a dope house with an needle in my arm John 15 16 says that we don't choose him he chooses us and he he met me at and this is the this is the, the principle or the whole point behind this brother is that he met me at my lowest point when I was at the bottom of the bottom, my mom moved out. I had nowhere to go. I haven't took a shower in, in, in a week or so. I stunk. I haven't ate. You know, I was shooting. I was grabbing used needles off the ground, using them. Met me at my lowest. It was so bad that I couldn't even knock at the dope house, the drug house with $50 and they would not let me in. Nobody wanted to be around me. And, and he met me at my lowest point. And when I shot that 80-unit shot of heroin and meth and I did not feel it. I heard the audible voice of God tell me that I was done. I heard a voice that wasn't mine. And I'm here to tell anyone that's listening, you're not too far gone. You're not. He met me at my lowest, at my lowest point in my life. And when he met me, he 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 met me with 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 a love that fulfilled me. It gave me hope. It gave me, it gave me it gave me a fulfillment. And because that's all I ever wanted to do was be loved. All I ever wanted was love. And he knew that about me. And when he knew that about me, he met me. And he and he and I had an encounter. And then I went from there. I went to rehab and, and, and I went from other things. But he met me at my lowest, man. And I and I strongly believe if you're if you're watching right now, if you don't believe or or however, and this story is touching you. Just start talking about God, man. Just start talking about God. Start talking about Him, and I promise you, He will manifest Himself in your life. He will, because if you draw near to Him; He'll draw near to you. He'll manifest Himself, man. And and uh, and and I, and, I, and, I, and I and I'll say this as a challenge. I read a sign one time, and this is what the sign said, and literally word for word verbatim. You don't try everything else. Why not God? <laughs> I read that sign on, on in, in Baytown, Texas. It was a black background with purple letters. It said you don't try everything else. Why not God? Why not try? You, you did the gangs, You did the drugs. You did the women. You did the homeless. You did all this jails and all that, but you haven't tried God yet. Try him and see what he does. You're, ta- you're talking to, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. That's it, go ahead, go ahead.
0: No, no, I'm deep breathing because yeah, I, I just know everything you're saying is true, and I, it's just I've never heard anyone in my life explain it the, this way, and it's so beautiful, it's so yeah. beautiful, man, it's so beautiful because it's it's just so, you know, again, thinking about vulnerability and what I would do to go to a church to hear a pastor be vulnerable and honest and not just say I was broken and Jesus saved me like you do such a beautiful job of painting the picture of what broken is and you do an even better job of painting the picture of the majesty of God And what he can do for us, and I and I just so I didn't have anything to say. It just you're moving me,
1: you are. So 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 let me let me let me. I want to share something, man. You're looking at a guy that 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 didn't have a fulfillment. You're looking at a guy that grew up poor, that grew up broken, abused, neglected, that grew up with that that didn't have anything, right? That thought that, that, that I was going to die with a needle on my arm. That literally, that's all I knew. I didn't grow up in church, audience. I did not grow up. I, I, I didn't have the privilege to go Sundays and Wednesdays. My mom, all that, my dad, you know, the story, but Jesus loves you and you have a purpose in your life. You know what I'm saying? The, the reason why your life is, is, is the way it is because it, it's an artificial purpose. You know deep down inside of you that you have this void that has not been fulfilled. All the drugs you can do, all the women that you can do, all the things that all the gangs you want to join, all the organizations you want to it's not going to fulfill you. Jesus Christ is the only one that can be able to fulfill you and I'm speaking this from experience. Yep. He chose you and he's appointed you and anointed you for a time as this where there's a dying world out there and it's being corrupted we see the news we see these uh these uh babies dying and being turned over and we see how you know homosexuality is common we see how transgender they're having they're having a made where 8 year olds can decide if they want to be a, a woman or a man you know we're seeing the leaders the presidents we're seeing we're seeing all this We're seeing all this. But the Bible says this in Romans 12. It says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You don't have to live like your dad. You don't have to live like your mom. You don't have to live like your uncles. You don't have to live like your brother. You don't have to live like they live. You're not your daddy. You're not your mom. You are a child of God who's been chosen and that he loves you. He died on the cross for you. He said that even though yet we were sinners, he died for us. Even if you don't Even if you never believe in him, he still would have went to the cross. But the beauty behind believing in him is that you can have eternal life. He can Mm -hmm. give you a life worth living. Man, I've been to three different states. I've preached to 12 different churches. I got my mom back in my life. I see my mom get saved in my arms i seen my mom cry out to God and say, get these demons out of me. Come into my life. i seen what the Lord can do. i seen my mom on her deathbed. And three days later, she goes through a liver and a kidney transplant. And God saved. Her. after being on the list for three days, three days, God put her in. I've sit there and seen reconciliation with my daughter. I've sit there and seen how God can take something so dirty and foamy and messy and that there's no hope and give life. I've sit there and seen the power of God. Can sit there and transform you, and it's not because he's 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 wanting to take over you. It's because he loves you. It's the authentic love of Christ that he's calling you right now. He's calling you in a relationship with him. He already want. He already like like brother said earlier. He already knows everything about you. So anything you tell him is not gonna surprise him. He just wants your heart. He wants your soul, your heart, your mind, your will and emotions. He wants everything about you because he already created you. He just wants you to realize and recognize that he is real. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's is, he is Alpha Father. Man, before the foundation, he created you. He said, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. The plans for you to prosper you, not harm you. He desires for you to have something. Get out of that grave. Rise up and get out of that grave, get out of that poverty, get out of that mindset that you're a nobody, because in, the, in in God's eyes, you're a somebody. You're a somebody. And he would do it all over again and do it again and again and again. Satan has no hold on you, man. Satan has no hold on you at all. And it's time to wake up. It's time to know that you do have a purpose and you are loved, period. I cannot talk. I cannot stop talking about Jesus Christ. You know why? <laughs> because he radically encountered my life and changed my life. I'm literally. I'm right now. I'm doing an interview in a church. Five six years ago, I'd be in a dope house <laughs> with an Nina Mar. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you, you can't look. I'll tell you something like this. You can't convince me that he don't love you. I'm sorry. Yeah. You can't convince me. Okay. But but I'm here to expose the lie of Satan. He does love you. Try him. Why not? And see what happens. Mm.
0: I would give you a microphone to drop real quick. Uh. That is 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 perfect. It's beautiful and every single word of it's true. And that's the most amazing part is it sounds so fairytale-ish, because why would someone die for me? Why would somebody care enough to, to, to take this from me? But that's I mean, thank God for Jesus. <laughs> I can't even I can't even imagine. Uh, My life without him and it sounds like we were I mean, even though our gutters were different gutters nonetheless that God freed us from and uh, I got to ask you something Vivi Do you have a podcast or anything?
1: Uh, No, no. um, I'm I'm not really good. uh, Internet savvy kind of thing. I I used to do a lot of Facebook lives, uh, but the Lord's been having me in a resting uh, area right now. But why do you ask? Well, because when God speaks
0: to you and says, I want you to get out there, I want to help you do it. Meaning, if it's a podcast, TV show, whatever, like I, whether you take over gratitude unfiltered, whether we create a new broadcast for you, whatever, I'll do the work. But if if God puts it on your heart that it, he wants you to be a messenger and start speaking and get out there. I'll, I'll help you do it. There's no cost. It's what we do as a service. But I got to tell you, man, not to be, uh, not to pat myself on the back. I don't mean it in, ever. But everything that I've ever tried to get people to do or to bring out of people on either broadcast that I've done, whether it's when I was doing Gratitude Unfiltered or even this one, is just to be honest and to share from a place of <clears throat> Of, uh, that that you can feel. You can feel the hurt, but you can also feel the joy. You're the first guest I've ever had that has sincerely done that while expressing their love for the Lord. And anything I can ever do, my wife and I, but anything that we can do to help you, if it's launching a ministry for you, like online, through the networks, podcast, TV, whatever it may be, we will help you do it because your voice must be heard by the masses when God tells you it's time. But just count me in, whether it's a year from now, a week from now, a day from now, or five years from now, just remember
1: I said that. Amen. Amen. Uh, There's, there's so much confirmation in what you're just saying. Uh, Once we get off, I'll send you a couple of uh, uh, prophetic words that was given to me. Okay. Cool. And uh, you'll see, you'll get a giggle out of it. <laughs> you'll well, get a giggle
0: I, out
1: of it, man. I, and I appreciate it, man. I through. really do. <laughs> do what? I said, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, and I don't mean to laugh. I'm just saying it's a confirmation times a thousand, you know? <laughs> Praise
0: God. I love when that happens. <laughs> I, I, I used to be the first word that someone got. I like being the confirmation much, much more. (laughs) So (laughs) it's being the confirmation is way more rewarding than being the first one. Anyway, VB, please close it out any
1: way that you feel led. The floor is yours, sir. Okay. So about the sound of my voice. I command every demonic force to leave right now in the name of Jesus. I command every assignment of the enemy to be gone and break off you right now in Jesus name. I declare and I decree that you are set free and you are a chosen vessel by God. I come to you right now in the name of the Lord that you are gonna be called and he's equipped you and sanctify you and he's gonna appoint you for a time is now. I break all generational curses off you. I break every every word curse that's been spoken over your life right now in Jesus' name. And I wanna let you know, I wanna let you know today that you have hope today in the name of Jesus. I wanna let you know right now in Jesus' name that he loves you and he's calling you. Drop to your knees right now and beg and, and cry out for forgiveness, because that's his desire for you to do, is to cry out and let him know that you need his help. And I promise you, I give you my word, that transformation will start taking place. The, your, your, even your descendants will be set free. Your descendants, it's a ripple effect. It's a ripple effect. And don't let no one try to judge you or criticize you or ridicule you. Because even the Pharisees and Sadducees did that to Jesus. They, they they ridiculed him and tried to tell him that he wasn't this or wasn't that. Or he am not this and this and that. Blah, 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 <laughs> Because you are a chosen vessel. And Jesus died for you. And he loved you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship. And right now the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord. Then I want to say this right now. I want you to repeat after me. And sincerely repeat after me, because if there's someone on here that has not accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. So I just want you to repeat after me right now and, and focus your focus, your heart on the Lord. Just say, Father God, I thank you for this testimony. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you come into my heart. Come into my life. I confess. That I am a sinner. I confess. That I need you. I don't know what to do. Or how to do it. But I'm going to try you. I believe. That your son died. And he rose three days later. Please father. Give me your Holy Spirit and help me. I need you in the name of Jesus. And I was just telling you right now, if you you did this prayer, if you did this prayer, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Go to him with all your ways and he will direct your path. The world might be against you, but Jesus is not. And if there's someone I feel led to, to say this, brother. If there's someone that misrepresented Jesus because you grew up in church mm-hmm. and, they, and it might have been a dad or a mom and they might have you might have seen your dad preach and, and went home and beat on your mom or whatever. Just know this. He misrepresented Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's not the God we serve. I'm no. sorry. That's not that's not the God we serve. Give God an opportunity and chance to let him show truly who he really is, because we're only human. So welcome to the family. And just know this, get into a Bible, open it up and read. Go to John, start reading John. Start reading, start reading and and know this. You don't read the Bible to understand it. You let it read you so it can understand you. The Bible's there to read you. Okay, we don't read it, it reads you. So just read the words off the page and allow the the word to to be embreded in you. And I promise you, brother and sister, whoever, whoever, whoever just accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Just welcome and enjoy the ride in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. B.B.,
0: God bless you, my man. Thank you. Yes, sir. I'll be in touch.
1: All right, brother. I'll get with you.
0: All right, brother. Take care. Tell your pastor. Hi, you. up. Yes, sir. All right. I want him to host Gratitude Unfiltered the whole time, he was just screaming out at me, I guess I need to talk to my wife about that first, but I've never met a per- more perfect host for Gratitude Unfiltered, but if he wants to do his own thing, but do that for him too. His voice has got to be heard. That's the kind of preaching that I need in my life. I need a preacher that knows the life that I know. You know what I mean? And, I, and not everyone's equipped for that. Like, you grew up and leave it to Beaverland. Nah, you just, style of preaching may not work for you. This show probably doesn't work for you. But I know a lot of former junkies and addicts and gangbangers and crime bosses and pro- hookers and porn stars and everything else that want that kind of preaching. I want that kind of preaching. Heck, if you're that kind of preacher, you have a spot on our network. Contact us. And I'm not saying that to be cute. But to me, this is what Church Redefined is. That to me, that message is Church Redefined. God bless man. God bless him. That was awesome. You know what? I'm going to save what I had because I had something I wanted to say to one of his comments. But I'm going to save it for spoken word. Cause I feel like it's my word to share on my show. And I don't want to take away from his message because that was amazing. He loves you that much. And you know what? Here's the thing. Even if you just gave your life to the Lord or you've given your life to the Lord, you probably are going to feel hurt from the church. Cause guess what? The churches, they're people too. They're sinners too. But a lot of people have left the church because they were hurt by the church. And, and what he was said is right. That is not who Jesus is. We get to do a better job of representing Jesus. All of us believers get to do that. Are we going to sin? Yeah, sure. But we can do a better job representing the G- Lord Jesus Christ who saved us from a life of destruction and uh i i bb blew my mind i am so grateful for what god's done in his life and um i pray that you were moved by that i know i was god bless you all thank you for being here and we'll see you soon